Welcome to Vox Vomitus, also known as Word Vomit. <laughs> of course, we are talking Muppets right as we go live. I'm Welcome, everybody. Gonzo's to... uh, relationship with the Muppets always <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to the latest episode of Vox Vomitus. I am your host, Jennifer Ann Gordon, the author of Beautiful, Frightening, and Silent, as well as the Hotel series and Pretty Ugly. Joining me today, as always, is my Vox Vomitus vixen, Allison Martin, author of The Bourbon Books, which includes Dibs since September and Move on Melinda. With us today, we have very newly published Renee Branham, uh, here to talk about her book, Defenestrate, which came out yesterday. Is that? That's right. It's brand, it's brand new. It's a brand new book, baby. So welcome, Renee. And congrats. <laughs> and congrats. Yes, thanks for having me. Um, so I, we know that publication day is like insane. And it's like this like roller coaster, and you feel like elated one minute, and then the next minute you're like, I know I'm a failure. Um, <laughs> so like one minute to the, the next. That's or at least that's what I go through. Um, what is your day after publication like? How are you feeling today? Yeah, it's still really surreal. Um, I mean, that's the word, uh, I think, where it's just like, what sort of bizarro Alice in Wonderland have I fallen into where like my my dreams are actually coming true so um but yeah no (laughs) i'm very excited still um i had a very chill pub day yesterday uh i half expected you to be sitting there with a flask and half hung over from the celebration and that would have been totally on brand considering what happens in your book but Thank you for being sober for the interview. We appreciate that too. I, I bought them in Manhattan, so not yes. I just have hard hard seltzer, but oh, I threw some well, cherries in it. Yeah, mine's just water. Oh, water. I'm trying cool to be good, <laughs> hydrate, and all that. But it's hard to drink that. Look at this thing; it's bigger than me. <laughs> so, so, Renee, mushrooms on there? Is it mushrooms? It's no, mushrooms. it's it's flat. Mushrooms would be on brand, but Jen would do an interview with me if I was drinking <laughs> like, mushrooms. You know, like, I mean, no, like gay. whimsical, cute mushrooms I'm fine with. It's the texture of real mushrooms. <laughs> you don't eat the bottle. <laughs> Renee, tell our viewers a little bit about yourself and a little bit about your book. Yeah. Um, so I am, I'm from the Midwest. I'm from a little town called Carbondale, Illinois. Um, it's like a, you know, like a college town surrounded by just rural rolling hills um and uh i went to the iowa writers workshop um and got an mfa in fiction and i um also have an mfa in nonfiction from the university of montana um i've lived in every region geographically in the u.s except the northeast i only did like a summer in the northeast and that's where I am. <laughs> you are, yeah. But I've also lived in Ohio. Okay. Okay. When were you in the Southwest-ish region near me in California? Yeah, um, I lived in Phoenix um, for a year after my MFA in Montana was done. So um, it was it, it's it's it was different. <laughs> it was like living in an oven. It was hot. Yes. It was, um, it was just, you know, sprawling, big, 
sprawling city. Um, but the desert is gorgeous. Yeah. The landscape is so beautiful. It looks like another planet. Like the, the yes. one time I've been to the desert, I was just like, oh, this is really surreal. Look, and it's a great canyon for Mars whenever you need it. Yes, totally. Yes. Um, so where does that leave us? Oh, and I'm getting my um, PhD currently in Cincinnati. So that's that's what Crazy. brought me back to the midwest renee needs all the degrees she's i know you're collecting degrees yeah i think i just learned at some point that um graduate school is like something i can i can do i can write and do it at the same time um so i've just been um running the gambit of yeah yeah i didn't know if maybe you got somehow addicted to like well (laughs) i know people who are who do that who are like just working their way through degree after degree and some of them are terminal so then they've got to hop over and others they just keep going on up and yeah Yeah, in some ways it like uh is easier to get a teaching job and like it pays better if you go through a master's program so um you know like I was like why not uh have like the writing community and go to workshop with my pals and years after and have that and teach on the side so yeah, it's it's awesome. It's awesome. Were you, were you working on Defenestrate, the book that came out now, while you were going to school? Was that part of the program? Yes. Yeah, it's been through two workshops here in Cincinnati. So, um, yeah, uh, I wrote it. I wrote it pretty much from start to finish here in Cincinnati. Um, it took me about eight months to write it, which is crazy for me because I have another novel i've been working on for like seven years so <laughs> that's what happens but that's yeah. totally true though for the process like some books it seems like you write them in pieces and you revise and they take for years and then others it's like yeah i was done within a year and the same calendar year wait how, how did that happen you look at the two going did i do both of these things that and then people ask you well what's your style like or what's your process like and you're going first i've got to find a pattern here and there isn't one so yeah. Like, yeah, when people say, like, how long does it take you to write a book? I'm like, I don't know, somewhere between 20 years and two months. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just depends. Sometimes they just come out fully formed. Uh-huh. And, Athena, uh, is it Athena who came out fully formed? Head? Am I doing so. my mythology right? I don't know my mythology. Sounds right. What else? I was just nodding. I know, me too. I'm like, yes, it was In the comments, if anybody's telling me I'm wrong, just go ahead and say, Alice. We'll have corrections mythology next week. Never said I did. (laughs) Corrections. We are not Seth Meyers. (laughs) (laughs) So tell our uh, listeners a little bit about the book. Yeah. um, Mainly just talk about Frog and Buster Keaton (laughs) and drinking. Yeah. The three major themes besides falling down. Yes. Um, so the book is uh, is narrated by a young woman who who's also a twin, um, and she's very close with her twin brother. And their family has um, a history uh, of having um, being very susceptible, let's say, to death and injury <laughs> by falls and falling. So the tradition in their family is that um, they were cursed by a um, great-great-grandfather that shoved a man out of a window back in Prague in, like, um, the end of the 19th century. So that's what brought about this, like, family curse. And Which is uh, already an amazing detail, because Prague is known for having great architecture and having people thrown out and, windows. And people falling that's out their thing. 
Yeah, that's what they're known for. And and architecture. Like half of us even know the word defenestrate is the, now I can't say it, the defenestration of Prague. That's the only reason any of us would have ever heard the word because it's not something we usually just throw in normal common language. Like, oh, what were you doing? You know, I felt like defenestrating today. Nobody does that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, I mean, that was, um, that's part of how the family curse came about was I I knew that I wanted frog. I knew that I wanted the book to be set in part in frog. And then uh, defenestration was sort of the next step toward discovering what Martyr's family history was going to be. And how did Buster Keaton get worked into this? Did it start with you actually liking Buster Keaton or did you just, you come up and came up with the fall and then thought who was really good at falling down? No, I've, I've loved Buster Keaton since I was a kid. So um, See, I would have called that because there's no way yeah. somebody would have written the book the way you did. Who mm-hmm. doesn't, doesn't want to dwell on it because the yeah. book does dwell on it. So if you're just like, oh yeah, Buster Keaton, you would have mentioned it in passing, but there were multiple like Buster Keaton's all through. The it, was religion. it was a religion. <laughs> no, the reverence is very transparent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, he's been, um, he's been uh, a, a kind of hero of mine. Um, I, I mean, I grew up watching his films and, you know, my, my dad was a big fan of the old silent comedians and also like Laurel and Hardy and just, just like old timey comedy. Um, and so I grew up watching them and then, um, and loving them. And then I got to college and as a college freshman, I took a film course and I was so, I was so shocked and excited that, that Keaton was being studied in the classroom and that, that these things were artistically appreciated that I had just been watching as if they were like Looney Tunes, like cartoons. So I was just like, oh my God, I've been been watching art all this time and didn't even recognize it as such. Is is um, one of your future MFAs gonna be an MFA in Buster Keaton? Is that a thing? Oh yeah. I'm working on that one on the side. Yeah, that one's that one's just like lifelong learning or continuing uh, education. Just a, like, just a hobby. Yeah. That's like uh an online degree. Yeah. Like maybe maybe it's not from accredited college. No, it's not. It's like not one of those like mailing ones where you get an online degree where it's printed on dot matrix printer because that's when you know it's probably not valid. No, totally. And I and I have been ordained um, so that I could perform a friend's wedding ceremony, and it it was the same thing. Type in your name, and it's like hit the print button. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a minister now. All right, who needs to get baptized? Like, <laughs> yeah. I just be baptizing people on the street, just like <laughs> random people. Exactly. Anybody need me to preside over a funeral? With like a spray <laughs> bottle of water? No, no, sure. sure. no, no. That's just for exorcisms. Healed. Oh, holy water. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that works. It's all good. Renee, are you a twin? No, I have an older sister. Okay. Just Six just and a half years older than me. Well, and I just want I to love putting this question, though. I'm always flattered by it because it means that I wrote convincingly about twin, twinnedness. Twinnedness. Twin, twinning? No, you twinning. Twinning. Twin his wing. No, but, but I mean, it's one of those things where twins have this particular place in literature and especially pop culture. You go, oh, it's a boy and a girl twin and they're close. And I just have to clarify, they're not Lannister close, guys. That's like not 
that's not what happened. Thank you. So. Yes. <laughs> it is not a book about twincest. People Thank who are, might be tuning in late to fenestrate does not have twins <laughs> who have sex with each other. It's not what that means. <laughs> I know yeah. it sounds like a dirty word, but it is not. Yeah, if they don't know what it means, and all of a sudden we're just like, and the twins are real close. They're like, ooh, I, I want to buy this porny book that has like. I know. Renee's like, I'll take the sales. Just want to believe it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to make them add that to like the dust jacket copy. I'm just like, yeah. <laughs> Perfect. You if that's what you're looking for. So. I will say I, every, like, as I was reading it, I had to keep reminding myself that it was fiction because I just kept going right to like, oh, it's a memoir. It's definitely her memoir. She doesn't have a twin um, Yeah. A lot of people have had the same experience as you that they're just sort of like, I'm reading someone's life. Um, but you know, the true answer to that is that it is my life and also fiction, but there's a lot of nonfiction in there too. So like the brother and yes, your family doesn't have a curse of falling down. Probably not falling curse. Do you you have a family curse of any kind? We didn't address whether or not the (laughs) family is cursed in any particular form. Go on. Um, Let's see. What are we cursed with? Like bad eyesight? Um, yeah, that counts. Same. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, I I I have it. I have more in contacts, but yeah. I, I should. Then I would be dealing with a stupid ring light. I can't see anything without them. So Same. I'm gonna be, you know, one of the first to go in the apocalypse when like my eyes dry out. And then... <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry to laugh. Save, yeah. Save uh, glasses now, because the apocalypse or Twilight Zone episodes are not times when you want to be out of glasses. No, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, but th- but that guy needed reading glasses in the Twilight Zone. Like, surely he could have sort of groped his way to like a Dollar General. You yeah. think? But he wanted Maybe to that's sit. Not and cry. Were in the fifties, though. Maybe they didn't sell. Reading they didn't glasses. sell reading glasses. And them. I don't know what reading glasses. I don't. I don't know if they're as specific as my prescription would be. So that wouldn't help me. But I guess for him. You know, he just he could maybe get a magnifying glass, though. <laughs> right? Or just grope his way to his optometrist. <laughs> Renee, you got to stop saying grope. <laughs> no, <laughs> I know. This is not a porn book. It's <laughs> it's not that porny twin book. I, I heard or is it? That time and I was like, yeah. Um, but feel yeah, it's a little better. No, feel, yeah, feel his way. A little bit. Stumble, 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 stumble's good. Stumble through. Yeah. And hey, back to being drunk again. Yeah. <laughs> Alter Prague. <laughs> All through, all through Prague. Yeah, I'm telling you, you gave me, you brought back really good memories of, because I was in Prague in winter and it was so cold. And every time we got cold, we were like, let's just, we would just wander the streets and just stop in a bar and be like, well, we need whiskey to warm us up. And then well, we would drink and then go back to the streets and just be like, oh gosh, it's freezing. Let's go into another bar. Well, I'll tell you that, uh, that New Year's Eve scene where they're drunk on the bridge is based on yes. on true events. Uh, okay, who got yelled at to get down and stop being stupid? That was me. Okay. <laughs> was singing the Star Spangled Banner real? They thought it was for the July. Americans. Yeah. Thank you for um, being the drunk, ugly American. I, I, will, I will tell you that when <laughs> I was in Prague, I was there for, you know, uh, a little over a year. I was very... Um, I underpaid as a, as a teacher of English, teacher of English as a second language. You weren't a cat squeezer. Cat squeezer. 
squeezer. It's in your bowl. The cat who can't pee. You have to squeeze it. Oh God. I was like, I was like, is this some term that I need to know about? Yeah, it's a literary term. I don't know what the term would be for someone who takes a cat that cannot pee. Yes, no, also bit based in reality. Yeah, I kind of figured the, the cat's real name is is Cooch, though, and I had to change. <laughs> oh, thank you for change. changing that. Yeah, I had to change. It. I think I changed it to Diego. Um, <laughs> adorable cat name, I, I think. Um, but yes, so um, that's true. And getting up on the plinth and plinth is the right word. And posing it is right. It is the right word. Um, and um, the wishes the wishes yeah the wishes yes the wishes are real i mean i didn't wish for like my drunk brother to have a better life well you know. don't have a brother so that would have been really yeah. how drunk were you if you're you know, <laughs> i wish i had a twin and i wish he was sad so then i could wish him to have a better life i think like, i was applying for uh grad school then so i think i wish to get into a mfa program your wishes came true sure did sure Dang it, i need to go to Prague. you need to go to Prague. <laughs> you need to go to Prague. you find the, the the cross with the five stars put your hands on it my hands are small though i don't think i could do it just start doing like finger yoga now yeah i i I think it's not as big as you think it is you know i don't i don't think it's really a a hard stretch yeah i think you can do it well you described it makes like you have to kind of stretch for it and want it so i figured my My hands are my hands are huge so like (laughs) so it was fine for you (laughs) yeah like it was so easy with my giant yeah it was like playing a piano you know yeah hands too small for that me too for playing the piano or coordinated enough either <laughs> i played clarinet the keys are very close together this is easy versus oh, like do you still play oh no i'm but i am bummed though because my my oldest daughter just started playing an instrument for school this year and she said she was gonna pick clarinet so i i'm like oh good i can show you and she comes home with a flute i'm like i can't even i can't even make a noise on that go back and come back with a proper woodwind with a reed <laughs> Proper so, woodwind. Yeah. Proper woodwind. Okay, how is a fluid of woodwind? It's made of metal and it doesn't have to read. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna turn this table lamp on. It's gonna yes, get dark. It's gonna, it's gonna change. It's gonna change everything. But yeah, I feel like I'm past. So you are collecting MFAs, getting a PhD. Um what is your writing process like? Like you, you sound so smart that I always think, oh my gosh, please teach me how to write something that's so I'm not like so haphazard and crazy. Are you, so are you a pantser? Do you know what's going on in your book when you're writing it? (laughs) Almost never. I mean, I sort of know generally like where things are going. Um, but like, for example, I don't know, I guess this is kind of a spoiler alert, but like, I didn't know I'll just say, like, the letter that sort of is a turning point in the book. Mm -hmm. I didn't really know when I started writing the book that that was going to end up being a a turning point. So that was a surprise to me. I was sort of like, okay, yeah. Then then you sound kind of like, I like to call myself instead of just a pantser because that just sounds sad. Um, But I'm a discovery flashlight writer where you discover these things as you go. And yeah. I, I admire people who can sit and come up with an entire book concept, including these important points from nothing. For me, I don't get to the points 
until the book yeah. kind of leads me there. And it's like, oh, aha. And and if you would have had that that idea from the start, you'd be, okay, maybe a, a plant, sir. But the fact that you didn't figure that out until you kind of came up to it, that's, here, here's your flashlight. You're part of the club. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I love that. What did, what did you say? A, like, it's the discovery flashlight writer. Because you can only kind of see as far as head as your flashlight beam goes. So that. yeah, I mean, definitely use it. I didn't come up with it. It's mm-hmm. not a copyrighted term or anything like that. I just, I like that because it sounds like, yes, I'm discovering the story as, as I go. Instead of just saying, I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm just banging and, on the keyboard yeah. like a monkey hoping that Hamlet comes out. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I posted a, a GIF today where they're like, what's your writing plot process? And mine says, I can novel because <laughs> that's kind of how I feel half the time. But it's <laughs> like the novel happens, but it doesn't come before I'm sitting down and making the novel occur. It doesn't come in a, in a bullet point that I then flash out. That's no, no, work. I don't do the outlines or anything. I've, I've never done that, but um <laughs> Well, and we know people who do and then throw the outline out halfway or change the starting right. point or, or change who the killer is in a murder mystery. And it's like, then what was the point of any of that? But it's all part of the process because everybody has a different one. Yeah. Did they work on you with that in any of your 17 MFAs? Oh, gosh. You know, it's so weird to me that like very little is really talked about um, in terms of novel structure. <laughs> we're all, we're all <laughs> Isn't that why you were there? I feel like they should have taught you that in Iowa. (laughs) I will say though, having gone through law school and then you then take the bar because the bar is what teaches you how to practice specific to your state. So it's like, well, what was law school? I don't know, but it didn't have anything to do with passing the bar later. Yeah. No, when I got to the PhD here, there was a novel workshop being offered and uh, that yeah, that was like mind blowing. I was like, wow, there's all this, you know, all this planning, everyone's doing different things, you know, um, but yeah, planning and just all kinds of planning. But before that I was pretty much like at Iowa, I just wrote long, short stories. They were like 50 pages long. That was my whole thing. That was my whole 50 pages is really long. What's, What's the word count of 50 pages? Is that even a short story anymore? Or is that like a a novelette. It's, well, a, it's a weird, is, creepy no man's land. Yeah, story in a no- novella. Yeah, because I'm trying to think what the Unpublished. bottom line is for a novella. Like, how many? What's the minimum for a novella? Well, when I think novella, I think 80 pages. But All I right. think, yeah, so you yeah. were still far short of that. Yeah, but way too long for a short story for most places because they're like, this is way too. What You're like, yeah, here? that's that's what I did. That was my trademark. One, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like. How can I publish this? <laughs> I was in a long, short story for for many years, um, and then they they started getting a little bit shorter. They were like thirty thirty pages for a while. I don't think I've really got them shorter than thirty. Well, so. the structure of this book, I've only I think read another book that I would say compared to it, and that was a friend of ours, Chella Corrington's uh, Tom and Adele Portrait of Marriage, or no, it's Adele and Tom, and and it's that like it's almost like flash fiction novella. So anybody who's who is picking this book up expect these like little chunks, these little vignettes, these little scenes, and then they add up to this story, but it's not like chapter one, chapter two, that's, that's not the structure. What made you decide to go that way with it? With the the vignettes? Yeah. To to do the vignettes instead instead of like a more traditional structure or a more traditional linear narrative. Yeah. I've, I've really had this longstanding love affair with vignettes 
Not as long as with Buster Keaton. But, uh, <laughs> First love, Buster Keaton. Keaton. Second love, vignettes. Well, if you Vignette grew up doing, Scotch. yeah, if you grew up watching Buster Keaton, I don't think like as a seven-year-old, you're like, ooh, and vignettes. Vignettes right. would be like, is that red vines? Vignettes? No, I mean, you know, I guess you could make an argument that some Keaton is sort of vignette but it, I wasn't thinking on that level. You're right. Um, but no, so, um, I, I have always been kind of a, um, a prose stylist hound, you know, like I just, I love, I love like dense descriptive prose. I love like flowery language and gorgeous yes. language. Can I introduce you to Jen's writing? Oh, oh, I know. I'm like, she's, she's over there just going, ah, a woman after my own heart. Meow. Yes. Did you just say meow? I did. I meowed. <laughs> I was happy. Somewhere your dog's like, wonderful. Um, so, yeah, no. Um, what I found um, years ago was that the vignette was a nice container for all my lyricism because when you break it up, you know, like if you have a really dense lyrical passage and it's like, it's the whole page, it's sort of, it, it's different yeah. when it has a sort of little frame around it when it has like containers. Mm-hmm. So I started I started writing um, vignettes as sort of like a management tool for my lyricism, and then I kind of um, started using them more structurally, where they actually like kind of arise from the telling. Um, and I feel like Marta is sort of a scattered narrator and so it really does serve the purpose of the narrative to have her kind of tell it in this fragmented way mm-hmm. you know where she's sort of turning toward one subject and then turning toward another and we're moving between two timelines so it makes that a little less unwieldy too I think but yeah I really like that I love oh thank you love non-linear storytelling I know Allison does too like we're just like oh just give me a story that's told completely out of order (laughs) thank you because I think that is how our brains work Mm -hmm. oh yeah I mean this is how this conversation's been working we're like oh blah 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 and then frog and then I was drunk and then then falling downstairs and I was singing Muppet Chickens Yep. No, yeah, yeah, we started out with... We uh, started with Kavank, Kavank. Yeah. One of these days when our producer tells us we're going live, we will be quiet today. No, I'm it's like never happened. What is even more Bonzo, like... When we were, we interviewed James Rollins, and this is my favorite one when we went live, I was saying anal glands. Because <laughs> we were talking, we were talking about well, not like not like my what I would consider not, sexy voice. No, we um, really weren't. No, um, we were talking about dogs, and I yeah. said that, and like, click, we went live, and I'm like, blah blah blah. I'm like, really? Were you? He's a veterinarian. The worst smell in the entire. <laughs> no, just in the land of the dog. Rollins is a veterinarian, so like we were talking about the changes of his career because he yeah. and I said, "Oh, like I bet you missed the, the anal glands." Yeah, and he's and, like, and "No, why are we talking about it again?" I really don't know. But getting back to Renee's book and talking about how I do love that the structure and the narrative have this beautiful relationship that they work together because I think sometimes we kind of try to shove the story into whatever structure we're told needs to work. And I like that you had the freedom to go ahead and say, no, we're not going to do a linear story or we're not going to do normal, you know, what's a normal chapter length. I had, I see it all the time on Twitter authors. What's your chapter length. And I'm just like, what kind of a question is that? And why does it matter? Because these were, these are short vignettes. Some of them were several pages. Some of them were only a paragraph long. They were mm-hmm. each as long as they needed to be. Yeah. 
I, I mean, that's part of why I, I have this love affair with the vignette. There's so much flexibility. You know, I never feel like I'm, uh, I, yeah, like where you're writing a book with every chapter has 10 pages and then, you know, you find yourself straining to get to 10 or you're trying to cut it back from 12 mm -hmm. or whatever, you know? Um, so yeah, I like the vignette for that reason. Too. Yeah. It, it flowed very naturally. Well, and otherwise you also end up, if you're trying to be too artificial with it, what it ends up feeling like is back before we had things like Netflix and Amazon Prime and storytellers could be a little bit more flexible with how long the shows were, you would watch mm. an episode of something and you could tell something was in there just padding it to get to the right length with commercial breaks. That's we aren't right. writing for, you know, syndicated TV. We can do whatever the story needs and make it fit naturally for that versus sort of some kind of artificial constraint because, oh, our airtime is this many minutes plus commercials for our sponsors. Totally. Yeah, no. Now And now I'm counting my lucky stars that I'm not writing for syndicated television. <laughs> <laughs> no, Which no often syndicated television. I like it, but... Still. No, I love it. I love it too. Um, and I, I, you know, I've played, I've played games where I'm like, Oh, I could write for TV, but then that makes me think like, um, probably not. a script for this episode. It is one paragraph long. Right, exactly. <laughs> and it yeah. takes place in Prague and it stars Buster Keaton. And they're yeah. going to be like, but this is a Star Trek show or whatever. <laughs> I love this, the show you're describing. <laughs> I'd, I'd at least try at least for one episode. I don't know if I'd like get a whole new streaming service for that, but I didn't do it for well, the new Star Trek either. <laughs> you should watch for two because sometimes the pilot isn't always reliable. You know? right. That's true. That's true. Pilot and then plus one. That's my plus. That's, that's my, yeah. I like so, that. That's so way. when you were, you wrote Defenestrate, it was, you know, it existed was did you have a hard time finding an agent for it because it is kind of non-traditional um you know yeah. i always wonder about this with like um the literary authors that we talk to and i know allison and i are like in the literary zone we border on the literary zone right something, something. <laughs> you know um i i my agent has been with me for a while long before i had a book um i sent her those 50 page short stories <laughs> and she was like thank you for those yeah like years ago and she was like there's no way in hell i'm gonna be able to sell these but i think you've got good things in your brain. i love that an agent signed oh. you with things that she liked but couldn't sell oh, yes and that, um, i'm gonna i need to start like this uh, just a roster of unusual mm -hmm. agent stories because that's my guardian angel the craziest yes yeah, no she's my guardian angel and she she like knew you know i i had the smarts and i had the drive and she like scooped me up and um she was like write a you know when you've got write a book <laughs> yeah she's like stop yeah, with this and go over there and write a book yeah and she's <laughs> like when you've got a novel then you know we'll we'll do things with it and i was like great do things. Um, but I've been working on that that novel I mentioned earlier for years, and it wasn't finished yet, and it still isn't. Um, but are you back working on it, or are you working on something else? I am working on it now. Um, I'm, yeah, for my dissertation, I I'm going to produce a draft of it, come hell or high water. So, <laughs> so is the dissertation then? Is that in fiction or nonfiction? Because you said it's a novel, so it's fiction. fiction. Yeah. What was the emphasis for the nonfiction one? What did you have to do to earn MFA for that? Um, I wrote a collection of essays 
for my uh, thesis for that one. Um, and you know what? I had no experience writing nonfiction when I got into that program. It <laughs> they was took you anyway. It was a weird fluke. Um, well, it wasn't a fluke, but it was uh, it was fate. It you was, wished for it, and it ended up happening. I wished for it on a five. That was one of these wishes. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> I did. Um, I was like, I just want to live in Montana. So <laughs> any way you can get me there. <laughs> Why did you want to live in Montana exactly? I don't know. I'm not like I've ever heard anybody somebody say, I want to live in Montana. Well, okay. There are three months out of the year when Montana is the best place to live in the world. But okay. the rest of the year it sucks. So why did you want to go? <laughs> um, no, my so my best friend's brother, um, also a writer, Andrew Martin. Um, and I'll plug his book early work. It's very good. Um, he went through the program in Montana and raved about it. And one of my favorite poets in the world, Joanna Clank was teaching there. And so when I was applying, I was actually working on poetry. I was living in New Orleans, walking dogs for a living. And I was writing a lot of, <gasps> that's like my dream life right there. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> my favorite job I've ever had was walking dogs. Like I honestly, I think all the time about just being like, forget this academic stuff. Let's go walk dogs and just write in our free time. Author, dog walker. I actually think those two could work. Those two can work really well. Yeah, seriously. Um, so, you know. Next time I talk to you guys, that could be my reality. I know. We'll be like, where are you living now? And you'll be like, I'm a dog walker. Wherever the dogs are. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, so where, I was the really are, where the dogs are. I mean, and there are dogs everywhere. So, yes. Know, perfect. Um, limitless. Totally. And New Orleans was a great place to do it. Um, you know, it was like hot and the weather was kind of like unpredictable, but like I really got to know the city just by like, you know, strutting Love around that. with these adorable well I mean, they weren't all adorable but like you know <laughs> oh. glamorize these mud yeah, yeah. I don't wanna, I some dogs are downright homely i don't, don't want to you know I just, okay, i'm picturing one of them instead of regular collar has like the beads wrapped around because it was getting drunk right like a, a marty gras dog Heard marty gras yeah. marty dog they mm-hmm. were like they were like flashing mm-hmm. it was a yeah. french bulldog yeah. had to be totally Yes. But no, to uh, to answer your question about getting to Montana. So I was writing a lot of poetry and I started applying to MFA programs in poetry. But the thing about Montana's program is that you can actually apply to two genres for the price of one application fee. Oh, Oh, heck yes. I'm going to like, you know, cover uh, all those bases just in case. Cover all my bases. And I had just written an essay um, about lightning. And I, yeah, like, well, this will do. That's exactly the sort of thing that gets you into the, you know, the nonfiction. Lightning is like, yeah, lightning in a jar or just actual lightning? Actual lightning strikes, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, yeah. People, lightning strikes survivors is a lot of what the essay is about. Oh, I like that. Yeah, it's very interesting. Um, I like it from like a horror standpoint. Yeah, like many people, that like that went way up in the interest of like, oh, so tell us about these people who got shocked to almost death. I mean, there's some crazy, there's some crazy stories. Um, The one that I was obsessed with for a while is was like um, there were there was a a woman who was pregnant and her boyfriend and they were holding hands and they were watching like a fireworks display it was the fourth of july i believe and they were struck um they were holding hands so like the current was 
you know, That's true. and, um, they all survived and the baby survived. She, that, that baby, baby is superpowers. And that baby, <laughs> exactly. We're that like superpowers. superpowers. They nicknamed the baby Flash because their last name is Gordon. <gasps> yeah, I know. So the baby is Flash Gordon. And like, and are these your religions? Uh, I know. I'm like, this is my family curse. I didn't talk about yeah. it. happened <laughs> in Arizona. Like, it's like crazy. Like, I, I was like, I didn't even know there was lightning in Arizona. Is that why you went well, to Arizona? Were you trying to track these people down? I was trying to get struck by lightning. Oh, okay. <laughs> You're like, I know the perfect ending to my essay. I was like holding metallic objects out in the desert um (laughs) no but yeah I was obsessed with um this baby growing up with this narrative right where it's like before you were born you know your mom you know and your mom that's got to alter your sense of self right you've got yeah that's probably the beginning of a novel somewhere but something weird is going to that baby and talk about family curse hit them all at once right totally yeah mom dad baby and she went into pre, you know, premature labor. The baby well, was valid. Pregnant. Yeah. But everyone, everyone was okay. And I was, I was deeply, yeah, I was like mesmerized by that story. So that was the, the essay I sent. Um, I actually got into both programs at Montana, but I was waitlisted for funding. And mm-hmm. so I left it up to fate and I said, wherever the funding comes through first, if at all, I'm going to go with that genre. So the nonfiction, because that when you're in your twenties, that's the kind of gambling, you know, where you're just like, yeah, yeah. you know, what, wherever, uh, <laughs> wherever the cosmos wants me, I'll go there. Um, so, uh, so that's how it happened. The funny, and then other on. other early twenty year olds are like, I will go where the cosmos are, and that's a very different. Way. <laughs> like, uh, that's good. <laughs> I was never a big cosmo girl, but. I didn't, I didn't really, I didn't they're really, too uh, pink. They're too pink. I didn't really they're also like, uh, ever fall in love with sex in the city. So I think that that's watch it. the cause you've never watched it. I've seen episodes here and there, but I've never really, I've watched it. And now I will admit that I hate watch the, the new spinoff, the new like reboot. Of okay. it. It's yeah. horrifying, but I watch it while I'm working out and I'm like so angry about how bad right. it is. Like running to like, <laughs> yeah. I'm like pedaling on the bike and I'm just like, out your range. Oh. yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, we all have our things. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> like my hobbies include rage watching sex in the city <laughs> yeah so you know you strike me as like a whiskey scotch bourbon drinker she's drinking no but i mean and because i read the book and i'm like oh she never once said like cosmo please and again i'm just assuming that this is uh yeah because their drinking preferences yes yes See, and well, that got me in trouble though, because when I when I wrote mine, as, as Jen said at the beginning, mine are the bourbon books, and so then next thing I know, I'm being asked, "Oh, bourbon? Do you drink?" I had never even tried bourbon when I wrote them because I'm more of like a rum and a vodka girl. Next okay, thing I know now I'm drinking bourbon all the time, and now I like it. So <laughs> you're favorite. Um, I really like Elijah Craig, but Andy's oh, that's pretty good too. That's yeah. very good bang for your buck. No, yeah. they're they're yeah. they're good. I just will never buy anything ever again that's not a label that's recommended to me by somebody because I still have the bad stuff in the. It's never going away. I'm not drinking that. Well. I feel like once you drink something like Elijah yeah. Craig because it's so good, like it gets it's really hard to yeah. go back to like Jim Beam. Like, oh. oh no, I'm not even talking Jim Beam. I'm talking like store brand like Kentucky's best, and no, it wasn't. Kentucky's oh. best. Yeah, no, that's that's, that's a good. good. That's hobo bourbon. 
That's yeah, that's a lot of so, no, I will I will drink all of them. Um, not all at once, Renee. Of course not. But okay. the, the one I do not mess with, and I, I don't know, I think I just had a bad night with, with this whiskey, but I, I do not mess with Old Crow. I will not. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Old Crow is the bourbon that I had my alcoholic main character drink in one of my books because mm-hmm. was, he would- Wait, was Adam drinking Old Crow? He was because he would buy three bottles at a time and it was three crows, which was a murder. There was all this. Oh, there. I love that. <laughs> I didn't remember which brand of bourbon I, I yeah. need to go back. And, that, and that's why I have three crows tattooed on my back. Oh my God. You're like, it's for my book. It's for my book. Crows. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yes. Well, um, yeah, I, I think something went awry with me and old crow at some point. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to become a snob. Like I really, I, I, I will drink Kentucky Tavern and you know, all of those, those low shelf things. Um, but I can't be old bro. No, 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 no. Well, and I think, what was it, Jen, you told me we mix what maple in there, maple syrup, real maple. If you can't get a good one, yeah, just make it sweeter with something else. And it, it hides a multiple multitude of sins right there. Like, yeah, a little bit of maple syrup, a little bit of honey sometimes, or just like make an old fashioned with it. Like put it in a cocktail yeah. and you won't it. hide yeah. it. More cherries, throw them in. It's all good. Doesn't Gen- matter if there shouldn't be cherries in there, just throw them in. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Well, now that this has turned into like um, cocktail yeah, hour, right. uh, <laughs> I hate to say it, we are out of time, Renee. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. This thank you for being here. here. Thank you, Renee. Congratulations on your book. Congratulations. Yes. One, your book is one day old. Everybody who is watching this live or watching us on the replay or listening to it, um, by Defenestrate has an amazingly cool cover. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, like, I say bring it closer because from a distance, that thing looks like a meat cleaver and it is not. There's a person, person sitting out a window. who might fall like, out that window at any moment. The person seated in a window. Yeah. It is lovely. So thank you again, Renee, for being here. Thank you, Allison. Thank you to Pam and Roman and everybody at the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. This has been a copywritten podcast and stay tuned next week when we have author Gregory Phillips. Bye.